Hi, listeners. Welcome to the Grief Out Loud podcast produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children. I'm Janet Christofaro and wanted to give you just a little heads up as you listen to this episode, you'll be hearing references to our old name, which was Dear Ducky. So just so you don't get too confused, you're listening to the right podcast and we look forward to bringing you even more great content under the Grief Out Loud name. Thanks for joining us. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Dear Dougie podcast produced by the Dougie Center for Grieving Children in Portland, Oregon. I'm Brendan Connolly. And I'm Jana DeCristofero. Thanks for joining us today. This podcast is the result of over 30 years of the Dougie Center's groups for kids and teens and young adults who have had someone in their life die. And over those 30 plus years, we've learned a lot from those who have come to the groups at our program. And we wanted a chance to share with you what we've learned from them. And our podcast is a way to open up the often avoided conversation about grief. It's something we all experience in our lives. But when it does happen, many of us find ourselves lost and unsure about what to do, how to feel, how to talk about it. So whether you're grieving a loss yourself or wanting to support someone who is, we're here to um, help answer your questions. Cool. And we're, we're in a doing this a different way today. We're actually, Jenna and I are actually looking at each other today. This is unusual. We don't often, we often are, we usually are in separate offices. And so I'm just going to say that it's weird to be sitting in the same room and recording uh, at the same time. So if we sound weird, that's That's why. That's what's going on. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So what are we talking about today? So our last few podcast episodes have been focused on kind of bigger meta issues around grief and loss. And so today I really wanted to hone in on something specific. And a lot of what we hear from parents and from other people who are supporting kids and teens who've experienced a death is my child's more anxious since the death. My teen has a lot of worries they didn't have before. How can I help them? So we wanted to really focus in on what are the common fears that a lot of kids and teens, also adults too, the things we're talking about are specifically around kids and teens, but anything we're talking about today could apply to an adult who's grieving as well. And then just some ways to help. What are some ideas to help children and teens navigate these new concerns and fears? And this is, we have a tip sheet for this stuff, right? We do. And I think it's a PDF, and I am going to try, if this works, as you're listening to this, you should be able to see uh, somewhere a PDF of enclosure in the podcast of the tip sheet. So I'm hoping that works. If it doesn't work, uh, you can just go to org and go to the tip sheets area to download it. So, um, so talking about adults helping children. So tell me some more. Well, I was thinking a little bit about what are, you know, what are the common fears and concerns that can come up for kids who have had someone in their life die, even kids who have someone in their life who is ill and, and possibly dying. And a lot of the concerns are sp- depending on the age of the child or the teen. So younger kids are going to be thinking a lot about how does this directly affect me. Um, it can be things just as um, mundane as like, daddy is who takes me to preschool. So if daddy's not here, who's going to take me to preschool? It can be these, which can be hard for adults. They're thinking bigger picture of, you know, the loss, the sadness, the emotional overload of of the grief. And then you're sitting with your three-year-old who wants to know who's going to take him to the park on Saturday morning. So that can be a 
a cognitive shift for adults who are helping support younger kids. And the little ones want to know again and again and again. Right. I mean, I know that from my kids, at least. It's just even my 10-year-old, who's the youngest still, is asking over and over. You know? Right, because they're trying to make sense of what happened. And yeah. for kids who are really young, they their cognitive capacity hasn't yet developed to a place where they can understand that permanence, that yeah. when someone dies, we don't see them again. So you may have questions about what happened to daddy, but you also will have questions of well, who takes me to the park, who's taking me to preschool, who's going to make my after-school snack. Yeah, and so, that answer is that answer at that moment, but maybe it will change if I ask it again in, in a minute, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> right, maybe dad will be back tomorrow yeah. to take me to the park. Um, so, so sitting with kids and, and kind of finding out, you know, what are they worried about? Um, for some kids, uh, older kids and teens too, is, you know, are we going to have to move? Uh, who are we going to live with? What's uh, the money situation going to be like? So a lot of the, it's a lot of parallel concerns that adults are dealing with too, which can be uh, adding to their own anxiety about that. Um, and then there's the, the kind of existential questions that can come up. So if grandma can die, wait a minute, does that mean you know, especially for really young kids. Does that mean I could die? Does that mean you could die? Does yeah. that mean Harry, our dog, is going to die? And that can be heartbreaking for adults to have to have those conversations with kids. But, yeah. you know, it's really helpful for them to get a chance to sort through that and to get some really clear, honest information from parents about that. Hmm. And then some of the fears, so those are kind of the bigger picture, maybe in the moment fears around... Um, how is my life going to be affected by this death? Who's going to be there to take care of me? And then you've got some of the other ones that could be related specifically to the death themselves. So you may find kids or teens having concerns about um, circumstances or events that remind them of the death. This could be uh, driving by the hospital, maybe where grandma died, or um, getting a phone call in the middle of the night. So those kinds of things. And again, parallel fears for the adults who are supporting them. Uh, and for a lot of kids, nighttime is a big one. Even kids who haven't had a death, a lot of fears come up yeah. in nighttime. Dark and bad dreams and things like that. So recognizing that a lot of our kids <clears throat> will have a period of time after someone dies where they either sleep with the surviving caregiver yeah. in the same bed or um, kids set up tents in the parents' bedroom. <laughs> There's all kinds of things that they do yeah. that... For a short period of time, they may really need that extra support at night. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. We get that without the um, impact of, a, of an actual death. You mm -hmm. know, I mean, just our littlest does that kind of thing, just with small interruptions in, in daily life, you know? Right, it's extra stress at school or something happened with friends, and then a lot of that can, as adults for two, right, we can stay busy and distracted during the day, and then we yeah. lay down at night and turn off the lights, and it gets quiet, and then all of the the thoughts start percolating and metabolizing, so the same thing's happening for kids. Yeah. Ugh. So when we think about, you know, all right, I have this, these kids and these teens, and they've got extra concerns and worries, you know, how can I help them? And a lot of it, the, the easy trick is it's less about knowing what to say and knowing when to listen. And for adults and parents, it can be really hard to just listen to what your kids are going through uh, to really be present for whatever it is that they're sharing because that's heartbreaking as an adult to hear your child kind of grappling with these really hard things. So to rather than make promises that you can't keep, yeah. you know, so I take the example of a child's grandmother dies and now they're worried that you're going to die too and your mom or dad or whoever the you are as the caregiver. 
You know, what do you want to say to your child? You want to say, I'm not going to die. I'm not going to die, honey. I'm, I'm going to be here. Yeah. And we know. I'm not that going anywhere. That's not, we can't promise that to kids. Yeah. And that's kids, hard to, that's hard to know. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, we know it as, as adults, but that's a hard thing to acknowledge, hard truth to acknowledge. To say that to your child, yeah. right? So what do we say instead? And we <clears throat> can say, honey, I know, you know, everybody does die, but I'm planning to be here for a very long time which that could, you know, that's truth. Yeah. And here's the things that I do to take care of myself. And then you can talk about the ways that you eat well, you exercise, you try to get enough sleep. Here's all the things that we do as a family to stay healthy. So you know how I bug you in the morning yeah. to make sure you're finishing your cereal? That's because I really want your body to be taken care of too. So that can go a long way to reassure kids rather than make a off-the-cuff promise that you can't keep and that yeah. they're like, yeah, I don't know if I believe you anyways. Yeah, right. They're smart. And underneath that, what a lot of kids need reassurance around is that someone will always be here to take care of you. Hmm. I'm planning to be here for a long time, yep. but if something were to happen to me, there will always be someone to take care of you. Um, and I remember being a kid, and this was before somebody even died in our family, like really needing to hear who was I going to go live with in case something happened to my parents. Wow, really? Uh, and that was really reassuring to me. I knew yeah. where I was going, and, and I even had a little bit of say in it, which made me feel a lot better. <laughs> yeah, we have, we've talked about that with uh, nieces and nephews and, uh, uh, and our kids. I think, you know, our, our plans are, are not estate plans, but what's that? guardianship plans, you know, um, we're pretty transparent with the kids. And so they know they'll go live with, you know, Emo and Ron and, mm. you know, it's mm -hmm. like they, they get it and their kids know they'll come to us. And I remember that happening when I was a kid too. It wasn't as explicit with my family, but I, I do remember that, you mm -hmm. know, kind of wondering those things. And even before anybody had ever died, just kind of wondering would I go live with grandpa and grandma or, you know, Uncle Bill or... What would happen to yeah. me? Yeah. So that, when you hear kids asking that question, that oftentimes that's what's underneath it. Yeah. Who's going to take care of me? Um, the other thing with fear is one of our instinctual things to do is to push it away, to reassure it, yeah. to take it away as quickly as possible. And sometimes it can help to slow down the process a little bit and help your kids figure out what is it they're really afraid of and to just start with acknowledging that fear. Because the, the energy that goes into oh my gosh, I'm scared of the dark. I just better not think about the dark. That takes up a lot of energy and it doesn't usually work very well in the long term. Mm -hmm. So helping kids say, what is it I'm really afraid of? And then to say like, okay, I hear you fear. And I know an example is um, one of the kids who came to our group, her, uh, her mom died in the nighttime. So she was so afraid that every time she went to sleep, something else bad was going to happen. And so we talked about how every night when that fear comes up, she could say to the fear, okay, this is freaking me out. I'm scared. That's just what's happening. It's going to be okay yeah. just to acknowledge that fear. So it doesn't have to get louder to keep getting that child's attention. Yeah. So and that would be the case with being afraid of driving in a car anything or whatever and a great one for adults to use too right so if yeah. you have a child who has some fears and you have fears about whether or not you're supporting that child in the right way to reassure oh there's that voice again telling me that i'm not going to do this right and i have to get it perfect so you're acknowledging your fear before you even go help your child acknowledge yeah. their fear yeah and then you're modeling for them too yeah um, that modeling stuff is super important mm -hmm. I mean, just across the board and it, certainly in this in this instance, but man, oh man, as a parent, it just, you can say all you want, but if you're not doing it, 
know, they just pick up on it. Right. So a great place to start is what works for you with the fears and concerns that you have as an adult and break those down into some tangible steps that you can then share with your kids to say, you know, when I get scared, because I get worried too, here's what I do and yeah. here's what helps me. But I don't know if that'll help you. Let's try it out. What do you think would work best for you? Yeah. And then you create a collaborative discussion with your kids around what they might find to be helpful. Sometimes it can be something as simple as, is there a special stuffed animal that you could take to bed with you at night that would really help you feel safe? Who is it tonight? Let's look at all, you know, is it Charlie the elephant? Yeah. Is it going to be George the panda tonight? Whoever it is. And then you let the child know they have some um, agency and how these things yeah. go. I have knowledge. I have wisdom about how to help myself. And it's tonight is George the panda. He's going to be with me all night long. That's really cool. That's a great idea. And then another layer to think about is a lot of fears that kids have can oftentimes be um, grounded in misinformation. Hmm. So kids maybe who don't understand exactly what happened or how the person died. Um, a classic example of this is when we tell kids that someone died because, you know, grandma got really sick and she died. So then you've got a child now who's super anxious every time anybody gets a cough, a cold, a flu in the house. And as an adult, we may not know there was this miss connect. Yeah. And so making sure kids understand, you know, grandma died, she was sick, but she was sick with this particular disease. That's very different than, you know, the stomach flu that daddy has right now that can sort of, uh, magically help eradicate some of those yeah. fears for kids. Yeah. So having conversation with like, what, what do you know about the death? What don't you know? What are you, what do you wonder about? Um, that can be a place to start. But if a kid's like, well, I don't know, I know everything, but you see them getting worried about particular things. You can ask like, oh, are you, are you worried that because daddy has the stomach flu, something bad's going to happen to him? And then your child might be more likely to come forward with That's that That's a piece. good reminder because even my oldest, who's 13, I'm sometimes surprised by what he doesn't know about the world. You know, mm. I just make a lot of assumptions and I, and I remember doing this as a kid too. Your brain just works overtime making connections to things and, and then you kind of make these logical leaps to assume how things work. I'm being super abstract. But you remember doing that as a kid, like trying to just absorb all this information about the adult world mm -hmm. and then make connections about how things work. And then sometimes you come up with these really off-base Theories about Theories, how things yeah. go. Yeah. And then with kids who have had someone in their life die, they already have the reckoning that the world doesn't always go the way you think it's going to go. Yeah. And that can be different than their peers who haven't had an experience around that yeah. yet. So their possibilities for traveling down different paths uh, may be even greater in that way. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, asking kids what they need. It's one of our most simple, basic guidelines mm -hmm. that we use. And, you know, we mentioned this in the last podcast, sometimes asking kids in the moment when they're really fearful what they need doesn't always net us great information because they're super activated. Um, but if you have a fear for a child that's continual, you may have a conversation with them at a time when it's not really present to say, you know, I notice every time the fire truck goes by, you really hunker down and hold your ears with your hands and it seems like you get kind of shaky. What's going on for you with that? Is there anything we could do when a fire truck comes by? That would be helpful. And you'd be surprised. Kids come, come up with all kinds of things that they yeah. are really reassuring to them that we would never be able to think of on our own. Yeah. And then the other thing that's been really interesting with kids in group is um, 
kind of encouraging them to be a detective of their own fears, like hmm. giving them a role to be really curious about what the fear is, what is it saying, what does it feel like, what does it sound like, what does it maybe smell like? Interesting. Um, and allowing them to like, where does it feel? Where do you feel it in your body? And what happens in your stomach? And what happens in your head? And what if you if you stand up and walk around the room once? Then what does the fear? feel like. So then it becomes this kind of curious adventure and not something to be so overpowered by. To poke out a little bit and see what happens. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's and interesting. And they build their, again, their own knowledge and intuition about their bodies and their emotions. Yeah. Um, not having to always seek an outside person, but you can be there to help. And, and maybe you try it yourself. You take a fear you have and you mm -hmm. do some investigating and then you can share with your kids what you discovered. That's a great idea. Yeah. Um, let's see, one other thing. Um, sometimes I feel like a broken record with the things that we recommend because so many of them work well across the board no matter what kids uh, who are grieving are going through. But routine is really, again, really important for kids. Yeah. So knowing that they have a predictable structure that they can count on can help um, mitigate some of the worry and fear that goes into how's my day going to look? What's my life going to be like now? Yeah. If they know they have that structure and routine. So, but don't forget to be flexible, right? We set up a routine for kids and then we're, they're like, this isn't working for me today. And we're like, no, Dougie Center said stick to a routine. Yeah. So you're going to want to be flexible and, and work with your kids too. Like, I know bedtime's seven. It seems like tonight it's looking like an extra half hour story time would be helpful. Okay. We can do that tonight. Tomorrow yeah. we'll go back to seven. Um, and then the last thing that I was thinking about is for some kids, um, they have a particular image or a memory associated with the death that's um, really hard for them. And this is very true for adults too. It might be the moment we got the phone call or seeing somebody in the hospital or going to the funeral. There may just be a particular image um, that can keep kids up at night, keep them distracted in school. So for some kids, there's lots of different things you can do with that. Um, you can have the image come up feel the feelings in your body, and then do something with your body to help calm it down in some way. Mm -hmm. That might look like some deep breaths. That might look like uh, jumping jacks. There's all kinds of things. Yeah. Um, but some things that kids will do is they'll actually come up with a phrase or an image or a sound or something that they find really comforting and reassuring so they can substitute it. So the image comes oh, up yeah. and they're like, you know, we'll go back to George the Panda. This kid loves pandas, and so they draw a picture of a panda, they hang it up on their wall, they have a little picture of a panda they carry around in their backpack at school, so they know every time that image or fear comes up, they can look at George, and it's mm -hmm. this comfort connection. Um, there was one teen who came to the Doggy Center many years ago, and her dad had cancer, and he had given her um, a special, I think it was an angel coin, mm. or a special rock, I can't remember the details of it. But she had that in her pocket all the time when he was ill with cancer. And then after he died, she found herself just always going to touch in with it whenever she had, not only when something hard came up about her dad, but if she had a big event, she was um, a choral singer and a oh, performer. Yeah. So she would always use it as just a way to like, oh yeah, this is from dad. This is my comfort. Yeah. So finding something with your kids uh, that they can use as that kind of talisman of support. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And that's, that's kind of a universal psychological trick anyway. Mm -hmm. This is almost like a grief hacks episode, you know, <laughs> because I know this is a really dumb example, but in the gym, if I'm working hard and it hurts, it helps me to listen to music that, I, that makes me feel good. You know, it's weird how that works, but mm -hmm. I, like the, I like the music. The work I'm doing is really hard and painful, 
but the music kind of takes me away from that. Helps pull you out of yeah. that in some way, right? So pairing something that's really uncomfortable with something that has uh, traditionally been really comforting. Yeah, yeah. And the trick with, with grief, I think, sometimes is a lot of people have to find new things, right? So what I what we get calls around is all the stuff I used to do to support myself yeah. or calm myself, that's not working anymore. Yeah. I don't know myself and I don't know what's going to work. So that's where becoming that, uh, the detective of your own experience yep goes a long way and know that it's okay that nothing that used to work is working now and it's an opportunity to find new places and new ways um, to have comfort and reassurance. You know, you talked earlier a minute ago about how you feel like a broken record sometimes, but I think that's what people need. I think that's what we all need because sometimes you get so wrapped up in your own head and like you just said, you know, what I used to do didn't work anymore and, and you have a hard time pulling back far enough to remember these little these little tips and how how they can just kind of um, systematically work to help you. So it's good. I think this idea of the broken record is helpful, not just for the little kids, <laughs> you know, who need the answers over and mm -hmm. over and over, but for us big people too, to remember. And um, That's why I think these episodes are, are super helpful because we do kind of say pretty similar things uh, repeatedly, but I think just saying it in a different way from a different angle is just helpful. And so if you're listening today and um, we went kind of fast and it's hard to remember all these things, yep. uh, there will be a tip sheet PDF for you available so you can refer back to it, um, send it out to anyone you know who might yeah. find it to be helpful. Yeah, definitely share it. Uh, and I hope that works. <laughs> All good? I think we're good for now. Well, thanks everybody for joining us for another episode of the Dear Dougie podcast. And to learn more about us and to listen to past episodes, find us at Dougie.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. And our username is The Dougie Center, all one word. And we want to answer your questions about grief and loss. So send them our way at help at Dougie.org and just put the word podcast somewhere in the subject line. And join us again next week or in a couple of weeks maybe for another episode of the Dear Dougie, po Dear Dougie podcast. Thanks, Thanks everyone for listening. See ya. Bye. Thanks for listening.